Welcome to Real Black Conscious this Foreign Podcast. This is Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about some history, right? We're going to talk about some history. We're going to talk about some history. We're going to talk about some his story. And then we're going to talk about our story because um, whether the educational system give us our credit and our attention and talk about our legacy and our lineage or not, you know, it really doesn't matter. Our story is our story, whether it's in a textbook or not, right? But coincidentally, in most situations, in most cases, our history and our legacy is in a textbook. <laughs> it's in the book, right? I don't want to say textbook. Yeah, it's in the book. So um, what we do here on Real Black Content's Forum Podcast is just uh, we don't just come up with our own interpretation. We don't make up our own thing as we go along. We keep it real simple on this podcast because we just read the books. And then we read the books that nobody else kind of want to read. So we have a theme here that when we talk about history, we start talking about the African slave trade. We start talking about the slave trade that also occurred in the Americas that did not involve Africa. It was a shifting of Negroes being moved from one place to the other place. And primarily how things work in America is that when it comes to black folks, when it comes to this shift in human trafficking from one place to another place, all we know, many of us as black Americans, is the African slave trade. You know, we know about the slave trade coming from Africa. We hear about the ships. Uh, we watch Roots every year. You know, we look at it like it's a piece of history. but in many of these historical accounts and films and movies that come out of Hollywood, they'll show you that boat that came across from Africa, but they never really show you the boat that left from the islands and came to New York, the islands. And they came to Massachusetts, the islands. And they went to Virginia And these islands I'm talking about is in the Americas, the Caribbeans. They don't show you the boat that left from central America, in South America to the Carolinas, they just see everybody's on this. We all from Africa, kid. And if we just do the simple math, I mean, if you really think about it, this is the power of a real devil, right? This is the power of a real devil. There are over a hundred million Negroes living in the West, living in the Americas from North America, Central America, islands and South America. There are over a hundred million Negroes. When you come to the territory of the United States, you can find black folks that will make you believe because they believe that out of this a hundred million plus Negroes that live in the Americas today, every single last one of us, if not to the tune of 90 percent, are descendants of somebody that came off a slave ship. That's nuts. Many of our people do not know that. There were Negroes already in the Americas, already here, already here, already established, had families, had laws, had culture, etc., etc. But our people just we're not really there yet, right? So, like, so what I do is this: I go back to a lot of literature that pretty much come out of the 16th century, 
17th, 18th, and 19th century, right? I kind of read the books that nobody wanted us to read. And I kind of always say this little theme line I have. I say, well, there was a time in America that Negroes wasn't allowed to read. And then I always ask the question, what year was Negroes allowed to read? I never get an answer. Because, see, when you read certain literature, nobody's trying to dupe you out of nothing. It was illegal for you to read in the first place, right? So the source that we're going to use today is called Ancient and Modern Britons, Volume 1, coming out of London, right? Published in 1884. This is the 19th century. And when you get to the 20th century writers and the 21st century writers, that's when that theme that everybody comes from Africa is really in full force. But before then, you're going to notice, no, there were writers, there were historians, there were just, the truth is what the truth was. And they wasn't necessarily scared to speak it, right? So we're going to talk about Blacks in the Americas and we're going to talk about blacks and the Caribbeans and the islands. And we're going to talk about our people that was in the wilderness of North America, right? That's what we're going to have a conversation about today. So if you can, make sure you share this content with your Afrocentric brother, uh, your brother that was born and raised in Compton and New York City and Houston and Montgomery and Detroit and Chicago and St. Louis. But he got an uncle around his neck. He loved Kemet. <laughs> When you start talking about Negro greatness, he can tell you about Timbuktu. When he starts talking about Mali and the Songhai Empire and the Gold Coast and the Ivory Coast, and he can break it all down for you. But he didn't even know that his people created that Mayan civilization in Central America. So he didn't know that. He's looking way across the water for greatness. But he doesn't know, and she doesn't know that greatness is under your feet, right? Greatness is under your feet. So, again, we're going back to ancient and modern Britons. And this is, uh, again, the volume one, 1884. There's a page I want to bring your attention to. We're going to go right to page 46. And uh, I'm going to have to blow it up just a tad bit because it's a, it's a little tight to see. And I, I kind of been noticing some other videos that I've been uploading. You can't really see the literature almost. It's like cloudy. You know, I'm, uh, I'm uploading everything in a high definition, right? But it's kind of coming a little cloudy. So let's see what PowerDirect do, right? We're on page 46, and I want to point something out to the family, right? We're going to go right down to the, to the second paragraph. And it says, now when Claudian wrote, and for a long time after, more signified a great deal more than a native of Mauritania. Right. We're going to drop down a little bit where it says any Latin dictionary, any old one, at least would tell you that Morris is a more. And black a more or a tawny more. So now we're just talking about the term more. Right. And Shakespeare used the word more as a synonym for Negro. Right. So we know who Shakespeare is. Um you know, he's one of the most famous devils to write. Uh, he penned a lot of good 1600s. He kind of dominated. Right. And uh, a lot of writers that came after him kind of took on his style of writing. Right. And Shakespeare uses the word more as a synonym for Negro. As that last word bears nine days and somewhat restricted meaning, 
it may be better to take the old-fashioned quote-unquote blackamoor as the nearest English rendering to Morris, signifying thereby any black or brown skinned man, and then you see the citation. Consequently, the translation of Claudian's line is this. Then we go down to an example. He subdued the nimble black amours, not wrongly named, quote, the painted people. And the British picks, like those of other lands, stand out again as dark-skinned men. A complimentary witness with Morris is Gorham, found, now we're going to page 47, right, attached to the names of Highland and other chiefs and kings. All right, that's the small portion I wanted to read right from this particular document but i'm going to go up just a little bit right we're going to scroll up a little bit and i want to touch on a couple of citations and we're going to go to the footnotes right because in reading we see the citation so let's see the footnotes because we're talking about negro we're talking about blackamore and all of that is the same this is just a term from black folks for black people right that's that's all it is it's nothing fancy um you know, many of us in the wilderness of North America, we're pretty familiar with the term Negro, right? So even myself, you know, I self-identify as a black American. I'm cool with that. Uh, Negro American, the American Negro, I'm cool with that. I do not self-identify as an African American, right? Because black Americans, for the most part, are a hybrid people, right? So, but let's, uh, let's go to the footnote, right? I want to point something out. These four brothers sitting here, we didn't all come from Africa. And there was a united, there was, there was a country before 1492, and our history goes way beyond 1492. So you can't start us at 1492. We were always here. We were always here. We were always here. This usage outlast Shakespeare by at least two generations in a brief narrative of the encounters between the early colonists of New England and the native Indians I find it stated that these unfortunate gentlemen were intercepted by 700 Moors with whom they fought for the space of four hours till not only they two but Captain Sharp and 51 Christians more lay dead upon the place let's stop was there any time when we was learning United States history or the battles that took place in the United States? Have anybody ever taught us that early colonists in New England had a battle and 700 Moors was included? Right. And in the previous paragraph, we just went over what was a Moor. A Moor is just a Negro, black man, black folks, you, me. <laughs> that's all that is beloved that's it but see i'm gonna ask you again because again you know we gotta put things in context and i want to bump this up against the timeline have you ever been taught and told that early colonists in new england had a battle and 700 moors was involved in this battle 700 negroes because you were just taught in 1619, the first slave ship of Africans came here and uh, they bumped the dock in Virginia. Right? This is what we're taught. So from 1619 
1675, there was a battle and there were 700 Moors involved in that. Where did these Moors come from? Where, where did they come from? Did we even know they was there? Where did these Negroes come from? They're runaway slaves. I, I'm pretty sure if you read a document from the 20th century, 21st century, they will somehow find a way to fix it up and make these folks runaway slaves somehow. Right. But let's go back to the original um, paper clipping from this battle in New England. And let's see if we can get a little bit more details about what actually happened. Right. You know, with the uh, who had the boots on the ground, as they say, in combat going toe to toe. So now we have another document pulled up. Of course, I'm going to put the links to everything in the description box. And uh, this is news from New England. And it says a true and last account. Of the present bloody wars carry on between the infidels natives and the english christians and converted indians of new england declaring the many dreadful battles fought between them as also the many towns and villages burned by the merciless heathens and also the true number of all christians slain since the beginning of that war as it was sent over by a factor of New England to a merchant in London. Okay, let's stop. There's a battle in New England. Who participated in this battle? Right? What did the newspaper clipping say? English Christians and converted in the ends. What is a converted Indian? He just Christianized Indian at this point. That's it. So you got the infidels, the natives, the English Christians, converted Indians is going down in New England. Does this say anything about runaway slaves? Does it say anything about runaway slaves jumped up and got in the battle? They was on a plantation and they took the hoe and the picks and the shovels and they ran up and they got in the does it say anything about that no does it say anything about runaway africans got involved in this war right if you kind of bump it up timeline wise though right or in history they were kind of like uh this is going to be like the king phillips war is going to be bumping up right right in that timeline that same space but the only thing is, when you look at these 20th century writers and these 21st century writers, they don't talk about 700 Moors was there. That part get left out. See, they, they just don't tell you that part. So let's see exactly what happened, right? Because we, we got the paper clipping up. We're going to jump down. Let's jump down to page 20. Let's see what we got when we get to page 20. Notwithstanding surviving sachems, were not long in revenging his death, for on the 6th of May they burnt down Marlbury except the garrison house, killed Captain Jacobson and Lieutenant Pratt, and two days after burnt 24 houses in Southbury, killed several of the inhabitants who vainly expected Captain Whitworth and Captain Brookwell to their relief for these unfortunate gentlemen were intercepted by 700 Moors with whom they fought for the space of four hours till not only they two but captain sharp and 51 christians more lay dead upon this place now 
again, we're going to put this link in the description bar. But see, this gives a little bit more context and gives a little bit more detail. You know, this is the Gazette at that time. And dig this. I never heard of this story. Never heard of this story coming to school. Couldn't even tell you what a moor was in public school. Did you know what a moor was in public school? Didn't know what a moor was. So now let's just back up a little bit because now we got the we have to build on this now. We're in New England. There's a battle going on. 700 Negroes was involved. Where did these Negroes come from? They was already there. You know, those kind of numbers today, we would consider somebody of this magnitude like we would call them maybe like a militia today, like a militia. And, you know, you have to have a certain level of community progression to establish a militia, you know, um, someone to protect the community, someone to protect the village. But when you start getting to the tune of 700, which we totally understand that these are going to be men in battle. If there's 700 men in battle, then we know there is a civilized community behind them and there are women and children there. Right. We just know that instinctively. This is how that works. So if there's 700 men, how many women and children and elders have to be backed off, tucked away in a community somewhere that they're fighting for? Me and you didn't even know they was there. They never told us that they was there because they told us everybody that was a Negro that was in America came off a slave ship. And he was the descendant of somebody's slave ship. This is what they taught us. And if you do the research on this information, on this scenario from a 21st century writer, that more part is not there. I looked already. They took that part out. They show you this battle and the only people they put there is our Red Indian brothers. And if you give one of these newly graduates from Eastern Michigan or Michigan University or NYU somewhere, some of these, you know, one of these quote unquote prestigious colleges, they're going to take these Moors and then they're going to relabel them as African because that's the hustle that you do to black folks, to Negroes in the Americas. You put the African label on them. I don't care how long they've been there. Somehow, they're going to become Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Brazilians, Afro-Venezuelans, Afro-Mexicans, Afro-Americans, Afro-Canadians. The list goes on and on and on because there's a push to make Negroes think all of y'all from somewhere else. All of us, we just from somewhere else across the Atlantic. We were never here. That's the push. This is my tribal tattoo. I'm from, um, you know, the Pamunkey tribe and... and you know. I kind of figured that. Yeah, he's <laughs> right. like, he's am I like, from no, you from the monkey tribe? <laughs> am I from the Pamunkeys too? No, nah, no. Nah. Okay, just <laughs> saying. It's 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 native. It's a Native American tribe, but uh, Native American tribe, but. Uh, and when that doesn't work, the next push is to make everybody feel as though they were estalustas. Estalusta is when they begin to bring our African brothers and sisters over. You know, some of our brothers from the plantation. They got up with uh, red Indian women and then they had children and they had marriages, they had etc. The problem with that is that 
these devils will try to magnify that so much to make it look like when you start seeing indigenous Negroes to the territory that we call the United States, they would say, oh, he's an Afro Indian now. And they would make it look like, okay, because there were situations where that red Indian had slaves, but they never talk about how that Negro owned other Negroes too. Because once they started to do that, you say, well, how did he get the chance to own Africans? And then you started to say, well, damn, he was kind of, but see, that's the part. They never tell you how many black slave owners there were. They keep that part out. In fact, dig this. When you read this document, the newspaper clipping about what happened in New England, what you want to see is this devil was so slick, he knew how to turn one tribe against another tribe. He did that all the time. That's the term he used. He says converted Indians mean there was a certain segment of Indians that converted over to Christianity and they fought with him and they fought with him, the devil, to fight other native tribes. This guy is the master of divide and conquer. But just think, though. Every time you look up, it's like this Afro-Indian connection and everybody can't be no Estalusta, beloved. It just doesn't fit. History doesn't fit that way. They want you to think they did this. You know, when you start saying you got Indian in your family and all this and all that, and uh, <laughs> when many of our people start doing the oral traditions, right? And, you know, we have to take these oral traditions like a grain of salt because Big Mama said she was Indian, but Big Mama said a whole lot of stuff. Big Mama said when your hands start itching, money coming on the way, and Big Mama said, you know, uh, <laughs> Big Mama said Jesus was white. You know, Big Mama said a whole lot of stuff. But in all sincerity now, just think about this. When you have the old tradition that one of your family members is Indian, we automatically think, okay, there was an African that somehow mixed in with a red Indian. And they kind of play this game because, you know, they already teach us that black folks is like you hypersexual people anyway. But just think about what they tell you when they tell you that, though. They're trying to make us believe that there was a large number of Africans came to the Americas as slaves, didn't own his own name, didn't own his own body. He didn't own the land that he walked on. He didn't own anything. He didn't even own the clothes that he had. This guy that has absolutely nothing was able to escape when he got to the territory called the United States, run off the plantation, bump into a red indian tribe and somehow with absolutely nothing had enough game to jump in there and marry one of those women and have children with her and now that is the you serious bro y'all went for that one that's what they, they want you to think all these africans ran off and started having sex and marrying indian women out of all the women in the planet indian women that was red indian women and this is how your family became tied into it. This is what they want you to believe. So, you know, I have a saying about that, but like, okay, there's nothing under, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. If you could do that yesterday, we'll go do it now. If you can go bag these Indian women 300 years ago and you got nothing, you didn't even own your name, you didn't own, you didn't have no job, you have no money, you had nothing. If you was able to go get an Indian woman then, go get one now. Now you got the internet, you got a car, you got a job, you got a good manager position. Go down to the reservation and go get you one of them things. Go get you one of them now. You can't. They don't rock with you like that. 
So why would you read a history book and look at me like, okay, you're able to do No, bro, you couldn't do it now and you didn't do it then. Maybe that's a different story for a different day. Did you know Morris was here? Your people, Negroes, had something as strong as a militia, 700 deep battling? No, never taught us that. When you go do the research, though, like I told you before, you're going to see around this area, around these battles, you're going to see the King Philip's War. You're going to see, they're going to talk about the Swansea Raids. They're going to talk about the Battle of the Bloody Brook. They're going to talk about the Great Swamp Fight. They're going to talk about all of that. When you read those accounts from 21st century writers, they're not going to say 700 Negroes, Blackamoors, a.k.a. Moors, was involved. They're not going to let you know that your people was involved in these battles. Because you're going to start asking more questions when you find that out. You're going to start asking more questions. And then when you start reading the slave codes from Virginia, from the Carolinas, and then you start to see colored on there and Indian on there, and then you're going to see African, then you're going to see Negro, then you're going to see Moors on there. And you're going to say, yo, why is it like that? Why, what's going on? Now you're going to have more questions. You're going to have some more questions. No pun intended. Because <laughs> then you're going to think deeper and then your mind is going to say this. See, they have got our people to believe that we couldn't be into the Americas unless they brought us here. All 100 million of us, we came from somewhere else and we didn't get here unless we got on a white man's ship. But when you got knowledge yourself and you can read the history book, you notice, man, it's a current theme. Every time there's a European explorer, the navigator is always a brother from West Africa or Northwest Africa. He's always a Moor. Pedro Alonso Nino is a Moor. Esteban the Moor in the 1500s, he had to show the folks how to get here. Juan Guerrero from West Africa, he had to show the folks how. Every time you look up, it's a brother, it's a Moor showing the European how to get here. So if he had to show the European how to get here, you don't think he was already here? Peace and black power to you, family. Thank you guys for hanging out with me, man. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out. Quick conversation, man. Real Black Conscious Forum, man. Big VJ, man. Get it with you guys later. Peace fuckery going on because it's funny how the blacks here the original indians they got overthrown right they even got they even you know put some of some of them into slavery and shit yet none of them now are getting any sort of land getting any sort of i guess uh money dude i okay i live close to um to temecula Okay, basically, I'm I'm out here in Southern California. I have a friend. This dude gets ten thousand dollars a month. This Siberian man. Okay, 
And you got to think, like, like that's, that's fucked. Like, like, this is one of the biggest secrets in history, man. And if you don't believe me that the original or the, the aboriginal Negro here, okay, the black Indian, that that's not legit. Look at the Olmecs. Look at the Olmec heads, dude. Okay. They still can't even get a full carbon dating on the thing because of how old it is. <laughs> Yo, there's a thousand years of history missing. Look at the Olmec heads. There's braids on the damn, on the, on the head, dude. Obviously, that is a black person. There's a fro on that shit. <laughs> and this is another big misconception. Alright? Because this is old information too. You're, some people are probably watching this and... Bleh, I gotta slow down. You're probably watching this and you're like, This motherfucker stealing other motherfuckers information, yo. This information has been out since the motherfucking 1800s, dude. It's just, we're in the age of information. 